is Monica Perez welcoming to the show and back to the show also in the case of Chris Graves, podcaster, researcher extraordinaire, and Angry Tiger, whose show I've been on, but I've shared some highlights of that show with you. I enjoy talking to both of these guys, and they are here to school me on Columbine, which I know nothing about. It is a false flag or whatever. I don't even know what it is or wasn't that uh, I'm going to learn all about. Thanks, guys, for being here. Hello, and how are you? It's an honor, uh, Monica. Thank you for having me on. I'm doing well tonight, especially being on uh, Monica's deep dives. So excellent and angry. You're. I know you're. You're got a limited amount of time, but I'm super psyched that you're here. I really enjoyed your uh, hanging out with you not too long ago. How are you? I've been. I've been busy, but busy is good, right? Because idle hands are the devil's workshop. So everything's been going well. You know, with inflation and everything, trying to survive and re reset everything financially. So yes, I. Oh my gosh, I know you're into finance, and someday we do. We absolutely must talk about, uh, like, kind of my quick, you know, two sentence theory of where this inflation came from, what what led up to it, why was it intentional? So we, if we could do a quick hit sometime, Angry, I'd love to pick your brain on that and tell you what I think about it and hear what you think about what I think. That sounds great. Okay, excellent. But today we're going to talk about Columbine, and I'm going to just, I'm, I'm going to ask for the fire hose treatment. I want you to just blast it at me, and this is what I want to know. And and Chris is the expert. I don't know, Angry. Do you know about it? Are you here to learn? Like, are you? Do you have your I, own? I research? know a little bit. Okay. Of, you know, from Chris. I mean, I had some some ideas in my head before I, you know, spoke to Chris about it. But I'm I'm kind of like you. I'm hanging on for the ride. There's some things I I will point out though. Probably Chris. Okay. Chris, Chris is the master here. All right, so this is this is what I want to know because I am 101 right here. I want to know what's the official narrative, what's wrong with the official narrative, what do you think really happened, and why? And I think all that stuff's going to fall out of what you're telling us anyway, But um, and I listened to the great conversation you and your friend Jen had on Donald Jeffrey's I Protest on Rockfin, and uh, boy, it was fascinating, but also... Very disturbing. So I, I got a little bit of that, but mostly I just know kind of the highlights from the mainstream. So give it, give me what you got. Well, uh, to be honest with you, uh, I started going down this this particular rabbit hole because not most people I noticed um, were not really familiar with the, the the finer details of this case. And there's like eleven thousand. They call it the eleven K. Uh, documents when it comes to the police reports and witness statements, uh, ballistics, evidence. And it's a rabbit hole because uh, things, certain things don't match um, what they, the Jefferson County officials had said. Like they were uh, reported up to between eight and 10 uh, suspects originally. And that's eight, eight to 10 gunmen. Um, and that was that came from not just students and teachers, but also from uh, the police themselves. They actually said that when they first arrived there, Sheriff John Stone said that we were way outgunned. And these were two teenagers that had two crappy weapons apiece. And I never could understand why how that constitutes being way outgunned. But he made those kind of statements that that day and. On a national level, you didn't really hear that. But right there in Denver, it was all over the local news. Originally, people thought 
it was a, a possible terrorist attack. I have to say, I was a little suspicious of the story when I read just in the official narrative that um, Gardner, the resource officer at the school, and also um, a deputy smoker of the Jefferson County Sheriff's Department, exchanged gunfire with Harris, and many rounds were fired, and no one was shot. And I remember thinking, there, there was a lot of damage done by this kid who, in this case, you know, there were dozens of fire of rounds fired and nobody got shot that i mean that would take a lot of ammo and a lot of time with that kind of a hit rate to cause the kind of damage officially over a thousand rounds officially a thousand rounds between the two boys uh and the police they said were uh fired that day yeah i mean to take two you know for three four hours two guys with who are not good shots seems unlikely. Well, that's the thing, guys, is you have two teenage boys, supposedly, yeah. who held off this sheriff's department, untrained. I mean, yeah. I, I was in the militia for a while, so I had a Vietnam vet train me on how to do stuff a little bit, right? Right. But that, even that, I mean, how do you hold off trained police officers, you know, with a thousand rounds? I mean, come on, two teenage boys. Yeah, and then the and the proof is in the pudding because these guys who weren't, you know, the cream of the crop, like uh, deputies, they couldn't, they couldn't. I mean, I'm not trying to disparage them, but there was no hit, zero hits. Well, actually, uh, he he made the claim, uh, Gardner, he made the claim that he actually hit who he. Yes, I was confused by that. Well, originally, uh, in his original statement, um. The description didn't match Harris or Klebold. And it was a guy that was wearing a blue flak jacket. And if you look in the documents, in the science wing of the school, there was a, a blue flak jacket that was just hanging up on a doorknob, a random doorknob in a science class classroom that had a couple of bullet holes in it, most likely from Gardner's gun. So who wow. was the suspect? I have a feeling it was the possibly the guy that my friend Jen saw with uh, Klebold at a certain point. The uh, Mr. Spiky. Mr. B- <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, there was this uh, older guy that Jen Small. Her name is very older than a high schooler, not oh, an old yeah, guy. Almost in his like uh, late thirties. She said thirty. Yeah, mid to late thirties, and he looked like he was in the military, and had broad shoulders, real uh, thick neck, and everything. And keep in mind, my friend Jen had a cigarette at what at this area called the Smokers Pit, about fifteen minutes before all the mayhem began, and Eric Harris was there having a cigarette, and she said, "Oh." Uh, she goes, uh, Jen, I'm paraphrasing Jen right now, but she goes, uh, oh, yeah, today sucks. You know, oh, I just feel bad. And then uh, Eric Harris made the comment, uh, well, today is Hitler's birthday. So the reason I bring that up is because um, she knew the difference between who Eric Harris was and who this uh, older looking military type guy was. So she could tell the difference. Yeah, and you wouldn't, I, and I noticed this because I have sons, what my husband calls man muscles, 
(laughs) Like, you don't have that. What she described that she saw in Mr. Spikey is just not a high school kid. And if it were a high school kid, he would be renowned at the school for being that huge. She also said that the reason she was bummed is that it was ditch day. And I thought that was very interesting because that isn't in, I didn't notice that in Wikipedia or any of the, like, regular flyby accounts. And that made me think, like, that would be a great day to plan if you really wanted to maximize your likelihood of controlling the situation. Whereas, so I don't think we mentioned, but the official story is that Eric Harris, and no, it's all right, it's nothing, it's one sentence. Eric Harris and Dylan Klebold, uh, you know, locked down their school, got 500 kids almost into the the cafeteria, they planned on lighting off bombs everywhere and just shooting people as they fled, but trying to just kill everybody. And to me, uh, that like that, you would do that not, well, I guess they couldn't control if they really wanted to do it on Hitler's birthday. They couldn't control that it was ditch day, but it seemed to me just like 9-11 happened before the start of the day. Yeah, It was a day of low attendance, and I would think that that, it seems to be the earmark of false flag. Well, then there was uh, some evidence and some people may have been warned not to even come into school that day, too. Just like 9-11. Yes, like 9-11. That's right, yeah. Um but yeah, no, I, to go back to what Jen was, was telling me, um, and in her police report, the police wanted her to change her story about who she saw with Klebold. She wanted, they wanted her to say it was Eric Harris. And that's not who, that's not who she saw. Um, cause, and she knew who, uh, you know, Dylan Klebold was because she had a run in with him as well, uh, you know, earlier in the year. Just him being kind of mean and stuff in the hallway, that kind of thing. She also saw another suspect that well over a hundred people named. I won't name him because he wasn't he he wasn't yeah. charged. But I heard her name him. Yeah, yeah. yeah there's he, no. I agree with you. Like I, that kind of stuff can really cause you problems. Even if they couldn't win a case against you, they can tie you up and cost you money. And it's just not worth, you know, she, she can, they are not taking her to court. They do not want that to be on trial. Like, because she could, but, um, but yes. So if people want to find who, if people it's in the record, well, here's the thing there, we have a feeling that there were some decent Jefferson County cops that were in charge with redacting a bunch of these reports including the other suspects that were arrested and brought into custody and and uh, had to testify and everything. But if you go through the 11K, and if you just search online, uh, other gunmen at uh, Columbine, it'll come oh, up. Oh, really? There, yeah, there, were, uh, there were quite a few other suspects. Wow, and just like S-Hook? You all, yeah, there, yeah, exactly. And the reason why I say that, I, I usually tell people, and I know I'm all over over the place, so I apologize. Fine. This is the 9/11 of school shootings, because to this day, if you ever think about it, this event is always used. No matter, it doesn't even have to be a school shooting; just a spree shooting in general. Um, it always gets tied back to Columbine, and usually the the gunmen or gunmen um, are usually obsessed with Harris and Klebold. And that was with S hook. That was with um, Virginia tech, actually Cho, 
who uh, Virginia. Really? Oh yeah, they tried. They tried to tie uh, him to Harrison Klebold, saying that he reached out to trenchcoat mafia members after the fact. They also tried to make Adam Lanza like a trenchcoat mafia wannabe, like also saying that he tried to reach out to members online. It always gets. It, for some reason, Monica, that story. I feel that's well, story, I mean, they use the copycat thing, right? Well, that's they have sure. this, and now that they can go on with more false flags and say, "Look, yes. it's a copycat." And right, that's right. They can do both. They can do they can do them, and they can generate them. Yes, that's the thing that's like really confusing that you get real people doing, and and that's planting these ideas and spreading them around. My mother was saying that when. She was young, like it was considered like really scandalously bad journalism to to propagate like details about really horrible things. Like they didn't, they wanted to avoid copycats. A friend of mine was in psych class and he said they were learning about, they used to not advertise, they used to not report on suicide. And it was mu that, that some people think that beginning to report on suicides, which I don't know, maybe it was a hundred years ago, but that totally changed, like completely accelerated suicide, made it, normalized it. And that's what, the, like... The, the copycat effect. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the technical psychological term for that would be called glorifying. Okay. okay. Well, they, even they do Even though you're that. not, even, even though you're, you're putting it on public display, that's like a glorification of whatever you're putting on public display. If that's all you want is publicity and you know you're going to get it, that's a, that's a moral hazard. Yeah, but yes. I but I also think like this, um, like you were saying, it was a you know a seminal moment in this kind of phenomenon. Yeah. I also feel like what they do with these things before they are real, before that is the way things become, they they're they're creating this scenario so they can tell people this is the way the world is, yeah. and therefore you know it's different now and we need all these different things that we didn't have before but this was one of those you know this is the way the world is that's what the false flags really pissed yeah. me off because they change people's perception of the world for the worse and then and then we lose liberty and we we misunderstand human nature and yes we're impressionable but this is not organic well i i 100% agree uh, the late dave mcgowan he classified columbine as being on the same level as a uh a JFK assassination kind of thing where it it's an event that's created to traumatize the masses. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's trauma-based mind control in a way. Mm -hmm. And on a very smaller level, it's almost the same kind of story as 9-11 would be right. about two years later. I and know, yeah. Because you got your trench coat mafia, which was in, infiltrated by people like the FBI, Wayne Fus Fu uh can't pronounce his name. It's a French last name. Fusier or Fuselet. Anyway, Scott Fuselet. I, I don't think I'm pronouncing that last name right, but it's in the. Is the, it like Fuselier? Like Fuselier? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. L E uh, L E R. That, that means of. like a swordsman, I think. Okay, go ahead. Or an infantryman. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. keep going. <laughs> well, here's the thing um, they made the trench coat mafia, it's this group of outcasts that, if you think about it, it's kind of like a uh, proto-Al-Qaeda uh, kind of thing, like on a smaller level, where the media was trying to say that there were these trench coat mafia groups in every high school across the nation and even overseas and in Europe and in Canada. And, and there really was no um, 
Nazis are everywhere. Well, basically, yeah, yeah, basically. Under every rock, yeah, around exactly. every corner. Like Al-Qaeda. <laughs> Al-Qaeda. Remember, Al-Qaeda is yeah. on every uh, street corner in America. Yeah. and they're all There are cells cell. everywhere. Cells. Yes, yeah, yes, exactly. the cells. Yes. Exactly. Cells. It was kind of... I mean, I know, thing. like, people get upset when I laugh, but, like, it's just... It's terrible. People are really dying here. I'm not laughing at that, but oh, it's neither. just yeah. there. It, it just, I, I don't mind laughing at these people who it's clownish. Do this. Yeah, I mean, they, if you don't laugh at the clowns, you're going to cry. Oh, you couldn't go on. <laughs> like you couldn't like read the stuff that we read and go on unless you could just like right. see it as absurd. So basically if you look at like, um, Al Qaeda and what we know about them now, which is not, not a lot, um, and that's on purpose. They, a lot of these people that they claimed were in Al Qaeda or the Taliban or even ISIS later on were like usually like dupes, you know? And that's kind of what this group of kids, uh, Trenchco Mafia group here in, uh, at Columbine, they were kind of, uh, the dupe type, you know, where they, they would do live action role playing games, LARPs. They would go on uh, missions or moves at night as if they were in the military. And someone was training some of them for destruction. I mean, there is uh, some evidence of that. So these kids got got to somehow, kind of like how they, you know, they roll out these ISIS people and Al-Qaeda people. That's why I make the comparison with like the 9-11 story, but on a smaller scale, because what happens is with something like 9-11, it basically, we got the Patriot Act with Columbine. They turned our school systems into prisons. If you really think about that, they wanted to infiltrate the, the internet and uh, music and the arts and all this other stuff, you know. All, yeah, extreme censorship. They wanted yeah. to, they did shine the light on subcultures and they were, they were like, if uh, 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 like um presumed to be bad and yep, dangerous even though it's just people it's just the outcasts in the school which which is good when they have each other yeah. you know what i mean like when exactly. you're i was i was definitely did not fit in in my high school and there were a few kids i hung around with but i knew there were like some gay kids and punk kids and you know they I wore my Metallica shirt. Yeah, they wore their costumes and they were there to attract other people so they weren't so lonely. And and that's how you actually prevent people from going off is to give them, you know, a a little bit of support. And just being like off center is not a crime. But what better group to be able to infiltrate to do things like this? People that yes, are especially if, victims of society to begin with. You know? And the thing about like violent video games and stuff, I did. I remember years ago before like World Economic Forum was on everybody's tongue. I remember seeing like I used to check their website and I saw a white paper that was discussing in like thinly veiled terms, but like the impact on future soldiers of disseminating video games to adolescent boys, you know, mm-hmm. and of course they say it's like, because we have to watch out for that, you know, but it's not, that's not what the study is about. The study is about, can we connect these two dots? And and that would be like, and I also feel like there's an element of identifying patsies that way. profile, yes. Yes, and, yep. and yep. like with these guys, they were arrested previously, they were in some kind of like program to, you know, redirection program. And I feel like you can, you know, that's the perfect opportunity to identify the right person for this. And Eric Harris was that person. Yeah. And 
I think. I mean, because, you know, you never know if they're even involved at all or if they're complete like um, Nichols, you know, on OKC, like just completely made up. But when your friend Jan was talking about Brooks Brown, a friend of hers who had said Eric was targeting him on his online chatter and they had an affidavit drawn up and everything, but nothing was ever done. And that's when I think like officially, that's when I think that's at that point is when he was identified as someone they wanted, you know, might, might have wanted to move for like Parkland. Supposedly there were hundreds of complaints against this guy, you know, Sheriff Israel himself was aware of this, you know, his son went to school with him. Like, you know, if that's true, then you're ignoring it, not because the system doesn't work, but because you're ignoring it. Well, the FBI, I'm glad that you brought that up uh, because it brings me back to the original point. Um, the FBI, uh, actually got involved with the investigation almost immediately. It was like this crime scene was like federalized right off the bat. And I, I dare to say even more than federalized because I, in the mid 2000s, I saw online photographs from footage that a lot of people claim to have seen live from a helicopter that showed a NATO truck parked out in front of Columbine at the beginning. I was going to ask you about that. And oh, you heard that too? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. It actually comes from the conformist uh, webpage, yeah. Yeah, it was from a helicopter, uh, from helicopter footage that the feed got cut uh, very, very soon after broadcasting this live. But I remember, I can't find the website, so maybe I shouldn't even bring it up now, but in the mid-2000s, there was a website that I saw still frames, and it had the NATO shield on the side of the truck, and it said NATO. It was like a dark blue like SWAT team kind of shaped van or truck, you know, and it was seen people had talked about it in, uh, around the time of Columbine. Like if you go back to message board groups and things like that, conspiracy forums, like from back then, um, people had made the claim kind of like the TWA 800 missile videos. Uh, I'm always blabbering on and on. About. Oh yeah. Do people think that that isn't what happened? Well, there's. <laughs> you, <laughs> just, well, there were quite a few people there. Not to not to go off the Columbine thing, but it's kind of like this NATO truck footage is kind of in the same realm as um, what I'm talking when I mentioned the TWA wow. missile videos because CNN and MSNBC broadcast some kind of amateur footage from the beach and from a boat showing some kind of missile-like object going up towards the plane and destroying it. That's like the CNN video of the naked man around Boston Marathon. I, I, I have that. I don't, I think it, they wiped it off my site, but I used to have it. No, Sorry, I, found it. I, know, I sent it back to you. Remember oh, you got it. Oh, there? yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You did. You're such a good that, researcher. I watched that live because I'm in wow. Massachusetts. Up all night. Do angry, you guys angry. think that they do these things like, like, like they'll let the footage out and then they'll ignore it. Right. It's kind of like building a straw man. So then when people mention this stuff, they're like, Hey, listen to this crazy guy. I think they want us to exist. Yeah. Yes, exactly. There you go. It's like the magic bullet being pristine or like, uh, one of the hijackers' passport never got burned up in the fire. It's like, or what about the S hook father laughing? I have, I have all that footage too. I yeah. mean, there, there is know. absolutely no way. I think that was put out on purpose as well. Right away. It was yeah. right away put out on purpose. It was right away. And even then when they were just like, look, there's like that guy who says they have somebody arrested in the, 
in the car and right the camera now. camera guy never turns around to look right. at the suspect. And I, I've seen that. Yeah, You've I seen do. it. Why? And Why do we I, see that? Why is it still there? You can't see Michelle Obama saying things that like things were scrubbed. You can't see that. Why does this? Oh, we can't scrub the internet. You can definitely scrub the internet. Why yeah, is it still like there? the footage of her going to the hospital to visit one of the Boston bombing suspects that was. Uh, oh, oh, now, I didn't know that, that exists. Was that's out there. Too. I just remember when they were. I, this was before my eyes were open at all. Yeah. I had a neighbor who said. Before Obama was elected, she said that she heard audio of Michelle Obama saying something about Whitey or whatever. I don't know what it was. <laughs> and I was, it was something like that. She would, well, because they were pandering in that Chicago church. Like, I don't, oh, yeah. you know, I'm not, I, I don't care what she says. I just remember saying to her, like, well, I can't find it. I looked on the internet. I, it was Rick Rolled, first of all. <laughs> I don't know if you remember what that was. Oh, and I, I couldn't Rick find Lester. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't find it. And I really like didn't believe her. And I went back and I was like, you're mistaken. She said, I heard it. And I remember hearing it. And now I like feel so bad because like, she definitely yeah. heard what she heard. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. say I'm quoting her correctly, but I'm just saying they can definitely wipe the Internet. And the fact that that stuff was out there for more than 15 minutes is like definitely yeah. on purpose, in my opinion. But so like this NATO truck uh, footage that people spoilerly saw. And what would you make of that? Why would a NATO truck be there? Do you have theories? Well, I have an idea. I mean, NATO is knee-deep in uh, Operation Gladio, which yep. I think 9-11 and Columbine and a lot of these uh, school shootings and things are a modern-day version of Operation Gladio, which was basically, for those that don't know, it was uh, a series of uh, terrorist attacks that happened in Italy after mm -hmm. World War II where they were stay-behind um there were stay-behind armies that were there on purpose to pretend to be terrorists or pretend to be the bad guys and create a strategy of tension is what they yes. called it. Yes, that was my first podcast. My propaganda report number four was strategy of tension, all, all, all about that, yeah. And they would, it was our, you know, it was the West create uh, trying to discredit communism because it was getting a foothold in Italy and they killed people for sure. They would kill. Yeah, we, we, we can speed. I got Steve Pachenik on speed dial. I can call him up and ask him about that. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, they would target women and children just uh, at supermarkets. Uh, real sick. Uh, for terror. For terror so that people would turn to their government to. Uh, Do you hear what we're saying? I know. Do you yeah. hear what we're talking about? I mean, sometimes, Monica and Chris, I. You know, I've been in this stuff a long time, just like you guys. And and you read these things, and like you say, we kind of like get this glazed over <laughs> mind frame because if you don't, it depresses. It'll you. it'll destroy you. Yeah. But we're talking about people; they have an objective, and they're using the lives of innocents to to get that objective. And it's it's. It's straight up evil. I mean, I have no other word for it. I mean, I could I could pull a lot of fancy words out for it, but it's just evil. Yeah. I figured it, out the mindset. Horrible. I know why they, they do it. And I mean, you could say it's a black mass ritual or whatever, but you know what paves the way for that? Uh, the draft. Yeah. You know, they drafted those people in the Twin Towers is how I think about it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, we so have to fight this war. They're looking for a greater good. Yeah. And, and we, we're you, just like yeah. Kissinger said, fodder. Yeah. And you're an American and you have to sign up for this draft. And if you don't, you know, we're going to kill you anyway. So you're going. 
I mean, that's what they, that's, I really feel like their mentality, if they had to look themselves in the mirror, is no different from any, you know, from the orig origin of conscription. Well, Monica, that, that kind of ties into the idea of um, a lot of these alphabet agency members or uh, some of these military members. And I have nothing against the military. But I'm saying like military intelligence people, I, I've read before throughout, you know, history, there's been quotes and things where they'll sacrifice their, you know, they'll sacrifice their children if they think it's the patriotic thing to do. So I think that's where a lot of these mind control people look yes. at who shot Reagan. Well, I'll tell you this. I just talked to someone that saw a second person that sh that was dressed up like a Secret Service member. That makes sense. That shot at Reagan, too. Her name's Barbara wow. Honigan, and she's a 9-11 researcher. And that, that was a Don Jeffrey's last show a couple, uh, like a week ago. And she brought that up. But John Hinckley of the Hinckley the Patsy. Family, the Patsy yeah. He connected to the Bushes. Yep. Oh, uh, I know. His yeah, brother was having lunch with Bush's brother. The night yeah. after. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, a proof positive. I remember my father said, anytime, like, you shoot a cop or you do something like that, they throw the book at you, lock you up, and throw away the key. Yeah. John Hinckley lives with his mother right now. I know. I mean, he shot, wow. he nearly killed the A. I, don't, I, I know it was controversial, but he was a beloved president. Like, that was... Yeah, the Gip. They went. He went yeah. after the Gipper. The Gipper. <laughs> yeah, and he took him down. Like it's you know, and and he's living with his mother. You know. And now he's. And then the war on drugs began. Now I think oh, he's doing yeah. concerts on YouTube. I think. But, oh uh, yeah! Right! 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 He's but but, but anyway, the reason I I, I just want to f finish this uh, one thing here. The FBI. The reason I brought that up at the beginning. Uh, Scott Fusier Fusile. Can barely talk. Um, he was in this trench coat mafia gang at Columbine High School. He graduated two years before Columbine happened, but he was helping the group out film, uh, film like fake shootings at the school, like for the uh, TV production class. And that later on, Harrison Klebold would also participate in these mock shooting like videos that they would play on the morning announcements. Uh, basically, uh, basically the attack. Um, oh, I way, did see where they yeah. said that their class projects had to yes. do with, they always repeated these themes, but I didn't realize. I always want to know who the teachers were that were giving them these assignments. And then they have the footage. So there was a Navy yeah. Yard shooting, a guy, a guy named uh, Alexis. You know that like too, that. Right? Yeah, Aaron Alexic. And he, I mean, there are there's pictures of him going through the hall, and I'm like, that's that is and there's a, also, also that's a mock video. There's also, yes, but there's also witnesses that say there were three shooters at the Navy. Oh, there definitely were. And the Capitol Police were called back. That's right. They I were called. There was no way. And that guy was hearing voices, Aaron yeah. Alexis, and yeah. they can do that. I have like Same three Jim Hood. Keith books. Yeah, they, I mean, oh, I'm not saying like everything, yeah. but they can literally, I think like the sound bar in my living room can fucking put a thought in my head. <laughs> I mean, I'm not like right, trying to be paranoid, right. but like the, right. the technology now does actually work with your ears. D didn't didn't that guy had, this is my ELF weapon, yeah. scribed yes. on his gun? And what so. does ELF mean again? 
electro so like oh. electromagnetic low frequency or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes, I remember at the time looking that up. Yeah, so the FBI, this guy uh, Dwayne Fusier. I'm going to call him Fusilier. He didn't recuse himself. He was the FBI's top investigator of the Columbine shooting, and his son was in the trench coat mafia uh, with right. making these videos with Brooks Brown, who were really good friends with uh, Harrison Klebold. Regardless, wait, of wait, but Brooks Brown was the one who who was. Eric said, I want to take you out. And then he yeah, tried to Brooks get that. said it was very weird. He goes, uh, yeah, I, he goes, I like you now, uh, Brooks, go home. And he did. And he, but apparently he, he sped, he right. like, interesting. Sped walked into like the neighborhood or whatever. Right. I'm not right. saying Brooks Brown had anything to do with it, but no, right. He did, uh, Harris, he did make the claim that Harris, you know, let him go. So yeah. Yeah. And he did. I mean, I wouldn't, yeah, I'm not inferring anything from that, yeah, but I'm no, just but saying. He, he they were a, in on the film. I didn't know that. Oh yeah, he was uh, a producer of some of these uh, these mock films, and uh, it, at the end of one of them, in particular, that Scott, the uh, FBI's uh, oldest son, there, um, that wouldn't recuse himself from the investigation. At the end of that particular one, they literally have a laser beam that blows up the school at the very end, and it's like this sophisticated Hollywood esque kind of special effect that. Teenagers, how how are they going to be able to? That's recreate? just crazy. Like I what? Know. What is that? Was that so they would have footage that they could use? Is it predictive I programming? It up, I think it was to set up the backstory, the what they call a legend, like with Oswald, you know, Oswald passing out uh, Cuban material. Is to set up the Patsy, like uh, the backstory. of how it how it yeah. emerged. It, it was also weird, Monica, because Eric Harris's father, and I'm not saying again for legal right, whatever. Right. His father was in the military. He was in the Air Force, and I believe he was involved with black projects, um, including uh, moving the family from Plattsburgh, New York, which was known for some MKUltra-type stuff back in the day, to Littleton, Colorado. And you know what his job became? He worked for Flight Simulator, which trained a few of the Supposedly, oh, 9-11. <laughs> here's the thing. He also was keeping a journal on his son, Eric, like his behavior. And he admitted this. And also, after Columbine happened in the news, Sheriff John Stone had a press conference where he claimed to have read a part of Eric's journal where he claimed that after had um, the bombing of the school actually been successful and they were able to make their way into the neighborhood, that they would have continued shooting people in the, the neighboring homes. They were going to somehow make their way to Denver Airport, hijack a plane, and crash it into New York City. No, oh, this was in 1999? This was April of 1999. And of all people, after 9-11 happens, Stephen King wrote... He wrote a piece for the New York Times saying that um, the government was full of crap by saying that, you know, who could have envisioned this type of attack? And he goes, well, the Columbine killers did. And he brought that up. And so and, did the X-Files producers. Well, the lone gunman pilot <laughs> right. was, uh, yeah, six months the before. The pilot, yeah. That's right. It was in March of uh, 2001. But there's all, when you get down to it, there yeah. are all these connections with 9 11 and Columbine. And I didn't know that. Too. I always, I wondered about Columbine, but I never heard any like real, like, um, a, there were other weird. Shooters, yeah. 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 So other shooters. So 
So, but Dylan Klebold, there was some, I we, think there was some was controversy. Jewish, by the way, but they made the claim that the two, oh. the two boys were, you know, neo-Nazis oh, and, right. and all this stuff. It says his, his maternal grandfather was Jewish is what Wiki says. So yeah. that would not make him Jewish, but he might've been right. Well, so I don't know, he, but. Oh, Supposedly, he told Eric. But look at Ukraine; it doesn't that well, that right. doesn't always. Well, yeah, <laughs> Jewish by religion or Jewish by ethnicity yeah. is, is the big people. They use that word Jewish, and it means two different things. There's Jewish by ethnicity, and then there's Jewish by religion, which a lot of people say they're Jewish. Well, regardless, it just throws a, a wrench into their official the Nazi yeah. narrative. Yeah. Bigots, right. So, Nazis and all that. So, but what was your so when I when you were talking to Jen, I. I, I went know all you over said, the place, Monica, with that. No, but do you I think apologize. that Klebold, yeah, but when you said that Klebold, like some people thought he was less culpable, but she seemed to think that he was just as much of a jerk as yeah. the other guy. Well, there was an, a guy, there. I can't remember his name right now, and I should, but Dave, a guy, uh, there was an author that went to Jen it kind of treated her the same way as the Jefferson County police did when they were basically trying to bully her into changing her, what she Cullen? Cullen? Dave Cullen, Cullen thank you. Okay. Yes. Good. Jen does not like Dave Cullen at all. <laughs> you can hear that in that interview. Um, he, he's like the official, he's like the official narrative, like gatekeeper kind of thing. And I looked into his background too, which, uh, you know, if people, you know, I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything, but if you just type in Dave Cullen, uh, you'll, you know, you, you'll see some interesting results. Like he may a, be biased. Yeah. <laughs> among other things. Yeah. Biased yeah that's a, that's a, the best way to put it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, did I actually ask, uh, for, uh, Tiger, do you have by any chance when we were talking about this? Oh, he's uh, got to go. Always, always got to go. I got, I got a couple more okay. minutes. It's all right. Is yeah. there a way we might be able to throw a, uh, like a clip or two sure. from what I was showing you before, like in that email, just to show people that I'm not. Think full of you it. can share the screen. Okay. Okay, I've I've got one here. Uh, Operation six to eight shooters, including roof sniper. No, that's just an article. I'm I'm talking about the okay. the YouTube okay. clips. I think were earlier in the email, or even the sophisticated bombs, because there were reports that. Mercury switches were in some of those bombs. What? Which I told you about. Remember, it, it was. Yeah, yeah, I remember that saying that. Two teenage boys aren't going to be able to build. I was wondering, the teenage boys, where are you going to get the stuff to make mercury switches? That's that. That's that's just something you can make in your garage. How much is a propane tank? They had thirty propane yeah. tanks. No, seriously, because like I have to go. I think it's like thirty-five dollars for propane. How did they get thirty propane tanks in the school without anybody noticing? Noticed. Yeah. Another reason why a lot of the cops thought they had help. The amount of nonsense that yeah. the general aggregate will swallow over this stuff. Um, I'm, I'm looking, guys on the roof. I'm looking for the, it's a YouTube video, you say, eh? Yeah, it's a, it's a, a woman reporter. Nato at Col okay, I'm going to go, Columbine parents interviewed. It says sophisticated bombs. All right, can you, are you guys seeing this? There we go. I'm going to play it and let me, hopefully you guys can hear it. Yeah. And new evidence tonight, Dylan Klebold and Eric Harris may not have acted alone. FBI sources tell CBS News the detonator on the propane tank bomb found in the kitchen is so sophisticated, it is unlikely that the two made it themselves. Bill? There you have it. My friend Jen also witnessed uh, bodies uh, that were moved 
um, from where they were actually killed. Now, I was confused by that, too. Were they moved or was the story of where they were killed incorrect? Because what I would think was more likely was that there were because there may have been more than those shooters. They couldn't say, well, people were killed everywhere. Exactly. They had to say because they were the all killed and then moved. That all, most of the murders, except for a couple outside, happened at the library, inside the library. Um there were witnesses that saw all kinds of bodies, Monica. Originally, the original death toll, officially from Sheriff John Stone at the press conference later on that day, was uh, between 25 and 29 confirmed. Really? That, that was a theory that was, uh, that was put out there, too, because there was footage just like <laughs> with all these events, there was footage that was described by uh, people that they saw on TV once and never again of body bags coming out the back of the school. Well, yeah. I mean, you'd have cleanup. to take those shooters out. Yeah. You know what I mean? They would be targets pretty right. quickly after. And here's the thing. The if you got bodies happening. all over that school, that supports the eight to 10 shooter narrative more than the Multiple. two idiot teenagers yeah. would. I'm going to have to get out of here. I am five minutes late on my. Yes. Thank you. Angry. Thank Thanks you. for Thank having you. me, Monica. We'll see take you soon. You, Chris. Hey, take care. Uh, yes. So I, I'm uh, like, there was one point where Klebold's gun jammed and, you know, I just wondered, you know, I just felt like there had to have been opportunities to take those guys out if you're, you know, if they, if, cause Jen said she saw she lots saw of tanks. different trucks there, she saw all like the tanks too. FBI trucks. And, you know, yeah. I mean, tanks. tanks, she saw tanks. Well, why would the U S army be at the scene of, uh, this nine 11 of school shootings type of event? Well, and fail. Well, and fail. I can understand well, why, why you would send it, but I don't understand how they could not be successful. Be operational within the United States. Yeah. That's, that's too much. The real, the most tragic thing yeah. of what she told me, the story is terrible when you, and you hear about it. Cause a lot of times I have gotten, um, like where I don't always believe, I usually don't believe the story. So they, the, like the, within a minute, there's, you know, three pictures or nine pictures or 12 pictures of the best grandma ever, right. the nicest social worker ever. Like I, all of a sudden right. I have 12 victims I'm supposed to care about. I'm not even sure they're not AI generated, whatever. So I have gotten like hardened my heart against these yeah. stories. But when you hear Jen talk about it and now I know how very, very real it was because sometimes you want to hope that like if a, it is a false flag, they're not actually like killing people. Kind of but her story of that teacher. That, that, yeah. yeah, some people think it was, you know, they they actually, I had a listener send me, he did, I don't know yeah. what it's called. It's not like, it's like a word cloud, but it's a, it's a, it's figuring oh, out yeah. how many times a word was used on the internet yeah. over X amount of time. And like the word <laughs> hoax was used a normal amount of times until that day. And then it was used like a, a million times more than a normal amount. And, and this guy's theory was that event was used to bring that word, that idea into culture. our lexicon, into yeah. our way of thinking about the world. So we can be conspiracy theorists, but also it makes me yeah. feel a lot better when I think something isn't real because I don't think they're actually murdering people. But that Mr. Sanders, that heroic, yeah. uh, I was going to say priest, teacher, 
who went screaming through the halls to get people to hide and probably yeah. was responsible yeah. for your friend Jen hiding. And then he got into her classroom and yes, bled to uh, death for over three hours. those that are not aware, hours. the SWAT team, Uvalde uh, wasn't the first time that this happened. The SWAT team, and the police in general, were given some right. kind of stand-down orders outside. Yeah, the Navy Yard, And that's what happened uh, to the Navy yeah. uh, Even Aurora, uh, the Batman movie theater, there was uh, there was police on scene uh, very quickly, like very quickly. But a lot of them didn't, you know, go into action. You find that in a lot of these situations, even with Vegas, which is another rabbit hole. Oh, my gosh. And they exploited that by instituting the immediate action rapid deployment tactic after that, the IARD. So anytime I see, like... They uh, system failures in like a completely yeah. overfunded area of government, like like even nine eleven again, another parallel. Super super like redundancies everywhere. Only uh, in any case, it's just the <laughs> yeah. bloat of government. Even if it, you know, it's just uh, there's like ten people, ten different departments probably responsible for the yeah. same thing, which can cause confusion. But I'm just saying. They for for these kind of failures, I always look for what policy initiative came out of it and wonder if that, you know, was one of the reasons they did that. But they they did not render aid to this guy. They didn't. They let him bleed to death and they knew and they there was someone in Jen's classroom that was was on the phone with nine one one and they they still don't release that oh, tape to this I day. I just had a thought. What kind of a witness would he have been? Well, he would have saw he would have been able to say exactly who shot him. Because uh, uh, without naming anybody else, because like we were talking about right. before. You don't think it could have been Eric Harris or Dylan Klebold? Well, there were other witnesses that... that Said somebody else was at the top of that, the stairs. Exactly. Yeah. And there's a, there's a, a suspect that a lot of people... That kind of confuses the, uh, the whole thing. And I'm not saying that this guy, you know, was like a, an Oswald type where he was groomed to be you know, a dupe to the dupe, but he gets confused with uh, Dylan Klebold and a lot of uh, the witness statements. And I think they do that with a lot of these uh, false flags for, you know, on purpose to confuse people like with their witness statements where they can say, oh, you just saw this person. Oh, that's who you really saw. Like there was a kid that was throwing bombs up on under the roof at the beginning of the Columbine attack. This kid was wearing a white t-shirt and it's not the big muscular guy that Jen saw. It was, right, Mr. It was Spiky. Mr. Spiky hair who had like bleach blonde spikes and everything. This was just a regular size uh, high school age kid that was throwing pipe bombs. And he was seen with two trench coat uh, guys that people say were Harris and Klebold at the beginning. Uh, Harris actually had a white t-shirt on underneath the mm -hmm. trench coat, but he discarded the trench coat so early on into the shooting outside that they were able to say, oh, no, the guy that you saw throwing the pipe bombs up on the roof uh, with the white T-shirt, oh, you saw Eric Harris without his trench coat on. So it kind of blurs, like, uh, right. the witness statement, you know. And he also had light hair, which confuses right. that Mr. Spiky thing. Well, the Mr. Spiky thing is is interesting because uh, Jen, and uh, not just Jen, uh, but five other people corroborated what Jen 
described, yeah, in the classroom because she was telling other people, hey, look through the window, look through the window. Yes, and you could see, she said he was facing her. Yes, because he was calming down Klebold, who seemed to be out of his trance or whatever. Some people think maybe he was brainwashed or whatever. Who knows? This stuff is possible. But he was was heard out to be screaming like... uh, you know, obscenities saying, I want to die today. You know, he was like, no, he was heard to have been saying things over and over again like that out in that hallway. And it was like this, uh, it was like this adult shooter handler guy was trying to calm him down at a certain point. And I personally think he was probably the one that took out Harris and Klebold in the library afterwards. I can't prove that, but I have a feeling because it was so close to when they supposedly committed suicide. So why did they commit suicide? What is the theory behind that? Why not go down in a blaze of glory? Well, that's a good question, Monica. <laughs> that's a good Just question wondering. that hasn't been answered uh, to this day. They make the claim that Harris uh, most likely killed Klebold first and then shot himself in the head. But why? Exactly. Well, here's I mean, the you have to have a reason why. Right? You look at the... Uh, well, people bring up that Jewish thing that I, I brought up. Like, oh, maybe oh he, he just automatically raised. realized yeah. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's preposterous. It's so preposterous. I actually, you know what? I'll tell you this. There there was uh, footage in, around that time on Fox News. Uh, you remember Shepard Smith? I definitely. I guess. He definitely. was interviewing a kid uh, by the name of um, Matt LePew. L-A-P-E-W. And Matt LePew is dead now. He got in a weird transformer electrical accident. I think it was suspicious. Um, he actually told Shepard Smith on Fox News the Saturday after Columbine that he directed his father, Wayne LePew, who was a police officer who was there on the scene, directed his father uh, on the phone because uh, Matt was locked in one of the kitchen doors with a whole bunch of people and actually heard some of the other shooters that were shooting up the cafeteria that were most likely not Harris or Klebold, and they heard walkie-talkies going off and keys as if they actually had uh, access to all this equipment and were talking to people. It sounded like, to him, they were communicating with people outside, like the perimeter. Okay, so, but there were there hundreds of people, kids in that cafeteria? Shouldn't there have been really hundreds of witnesses to something there like that? There should have been dozens more dead uh, in the cafeteria. That's why some people think that... Oh, it wasn't full of people. Because it was ditch day. It was ditch day, right. But there were quite a bit of people. Yeah, it sounds like there were a lot of people. There yeah. were. And you can see in like the in some of the cafeteria footage before they doctored it, because they actually did send it to Quantico, to be cleaned up. That was in the mainstream media in the news too. Why would they need to clean it up at Quantico, FBI headquarters? Right. But it was, and it actually didn't get cleaned up. It actually got more grainier and hard to see the footage when it, Interesting. When it came out. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The reason I brought all that up is because Matt LePew or DePew ended up telling um, Shepard Smith that or intimating the idea that his father, Wayne DePew, most likely took out the boys in the library. And that that was a theory for a while that a police officer could have came up upon them. Yeah, but I mean, why not admit that? That seems like the right heroic thing, thing to right? do. Yeah. 
Right. Well, this well, they was, wanted failure. They wanted system failure. I think. Well, here's the other thing. They, they had to allow, in my opinion, they had to allow the cleanup crew and all the covert operators, if this was a covert operation, to clean up the scene to intimidate further witnesses. And what I mean, I'm all over the place. I apologize again to everybody. What I mean by that is, do you remember Isaiah Shoals? He was the. I, I've heard the story. Yeah. He was the black kid that got killed in the library. Officially, they, I went and found his uh, autopsy. Wow. Originally, and it's in the show notes, it's in the, the email and everything. So mm -hmm. originally, these kids that were in the library kept making the claims to uh, media after they were rescued that the two killers were so vile and disgusting that they were making jokes about uh, wanting to see and... Uh, Oh, an yeah, N-word, an N-word's yeah. brains. Yeah. And we're giggling and joking about it. Basically, when you hear that, when they're telling that story, that is letting you know that he was most likely shot in the face or in the head, right? Yeah, I did read that on Wikipedia. It said yeah, that, but officially, that his brains flew. They were Officially, he that. was killed by uh, a shotgun blast to the chest. And there would be no reason for them to be joking and making those right. jokes, uh, uh, those claims about uh, him being shot. They said there was no blunt force trauma to the head or the face at all. Right. So were they, were the, and I'm only speculating here. Yeah, what, what were, are you saying? Were these kids threatened within an inch of their life even more, like to say certain things to the media after the fact, to push... To push the yes, narrative that, of the, the bigotry yes. and the, the neo-Nazi thing. Even. And then their, his parents, yeah, his parents made some news too. They and, got chased uh, out of Littleton. Yeah. They were threatened because they were actually, uh, Michael Scholes, his father, was talking about how when he got down to the scene, people were talking about shooters in black masks that people were talking oh, about, like, really? like kids, like uh, uh, kids that survived. Supposedly. There oh, kids that survived were talking about shooters and black masks. Black masks, yes. Wow. And there was automatic weapons heard, too. Not just... Uh, oh, so there were, I mean, there were probably many, many witness statements that... There are. ...conflict yeah. with the official narrative. And yeah. are those, I mean, have you, are those still available? Have you read them? Are they in the official record? Yes, they are. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They, they, you just have to have the patience to be able to go through. It, they call it the 11K, 11,000 pages. Oh, right, right. And I went and, down that, yeah. that rabbit hole before, uh, years ago, uh, I went down because I, I read a book called You Are Being Lied To. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It was like a kind of a famous book back in like 2000. And they had a chapter on these other shooters at Columbine. And really? Yeah. And that was before 9-11. So anything before 9-11, yeah. I'm like, wow, that was probably like yeah. real research. You know, it wasn't part of a conspiracy psyop thing. No. Wow, you are being lied to. Wow, I don't know that one. Yeah, that's a famous one. Uh, yeah, you were being lied to. And I'm trying to remember the name of the author. But I think uh, I think they took, uh, I think Dave McGowan, uh, a researcher who's no longer alive. Uh, yes, really, I have a couple of his books right there. He wrote an article on his website called The uh, Anatomy of a School Shooting, where he points out a lot of the stuff that I'm telling you tonight about the reports of eight to ten shooters, uh, dozens of witnesses 
You know, how could they all be wrong about what they saw? Well, and your friend Jen said that the a lot of pressure was put on her to change her statement. Her phone was tapped. Oh, I didn't know that. But I mean, yeah. and it's scary. Her friends. I don't know if I would have had her courage. Some, some of the other witnesses that saw Mr. Spikey here ended up uh, dying. Uh, and didn't. I thought she said, and I think you might have re referred to this earlier, that she did talk to some former sheriff Jeff Coe, department. Uh, they didn't yeah. want to be a part of the cover-up. And uh, when she was a bartender later on, uh, she made the acquaintance of three separate, three separate, not all at the same time, but three ex-Jeff uh, oh. Coe officers that said, you might not want to write a book because you might end up with an untimely... Yes, what was the story with that? Because she said their phrasing was identical, even though as people they were very different. It was different times. So yeah. she feels like some they were sent. Oh, I don't know. Well, I don't know what if do that's you what think? she felt, but she just described okay. them all as like... Regardless, possibly, either way. maybe they, yeah. these since they quit and they didn't want to be a part of any, uh, you know, shenanigans, maybe they had warned other witnesses in the past yeah. because they felt bad. They're like, I, I, I know, I'm not sure, but... There was another uh, girl that I made contact with named Kristen Long. She's now known as Kristen Long Kruger, and she wrote a book called, uh, I think it was he Something Healing. If you if you type in Kristen Kruger um, and you type healing in Columbine, she writes about this other gunman that she knew wasn't Claybold or Harris. And oh, it's wow. actually the same gunman that Jen mentioned in that interview that that said it, that I won't say it right now. I mean, you know him? You, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, because he's met, just a guy. Yeah. She says she knew all three of these guys. That's how she was able to tell the, the difference between right. a Klebold and this guy. She was 100% sure well, what she, she saw she was because friends she with them. knew them. So she wrote it in, the, in a chapter at the end of this heal, healing book, and I think she's very courageous, too. You know, yeah, it's like Jen, because no one else will come out and talk about it. Um, this, you know, I don't even know what it would take to open, you know, the eyes of the world at, at a certain point. Like, I just, I don't know if it's willing to, you know, for her, that was awesome. And it yeah, is part it, of her. I mean, she up, did make a difference, Jen, her, because yeah, her that, trauma too. Like, she was able to, she that's a story. I love that part of the story, but I just wonder sometimes if it's worth like the people have sacrificed their lives to this kind of thing. But um, I was really, really inspired. You know, it's funny because it was a very disturbing conversation that, that you guys had. But ending on that note, as you did, of how after suffering for years from post-traumatic stress which disorder, which did affect her ability to enjoy things that she liked, she could, you know, loud noises and she had, there yeah. were fireworks at a concert that like yeah. she just, that was her, you know, kind of turning point. But yeah. I've had I've had a few moments like that in my life also where I mean stupid little things like I had TMJ like I ground my teeth at night yeah. and it like hurt my jaw and I like did everything they wanted to give me Valium they wanted to give me retainers nothing worked and finally I was like you know what I think I might have to just stop doing this even when I'm asleep and I and I would just go to sleep and I would just think like you know just note to self even if you're sleeping don't yeah. do that totally solved it but also bigger things like when my son was born with Down syndrome. And I was super duper depressed. And I, I remember being like a very 
healed when I brought like a new baby home. But it was, you know, that was a truly like healing experience. It wasn't just a a turning away of the mind to, to that kind of thing. But there have been times in my life since then with him that I have thought, you know, you can you can think of it like some people like their way of being positive about it is to pretend, you know, that there's nothing wrong, you know, and, and it under the rug kind of thing. Yeah. Or just be like, you know, he's no different than anybody else. And I'm like, this kid is very different from other people, you know, but I just love it. So now this, <laughs> this That's a kid, good thing. That's a good thing. he thinks that having Down syndrome is like his superpower. Like literally, no, he's 21 and he, and my other kids are like, that kid's an egomaniac. I don't know what you did to him. I don't know why he thinks he's so great. And that's we, a good mindset. You know, I mean, as long as you just the, change the your mindset, check, you know, that's a good, good. Oh, I know. I, I may have created a monster, but I'm just saying like, <laughs> you know, I was on Prozac. I was trying to get over cause it was very depressing, yeah. but there, there are turning points in your life where, you know, healing and courage and love and all that kind of stuff where, yeah. um, but all. Also, and this was the one time that, like, when he was born, I was totally devastated. It's the one only time my whole life I could not look within myself and, like, find those bootstraps and pull myself up by them. You know, it, it took a lot of time to heal from that. But uh, but I do, I do feel like it's important for people to know, and I even heard this about, and, I, and in some cases I know grief counseling has been proven to be very helpful. But in other cases, sometimes like, you know, like after an event at school, when they get everybody into grief counseling, that actually can cause a much more serious impact of the event. So, you know, I just feel like you don't have to, even childhood, I've had some childhood trauma. You don't have to let that define you. You don't have to let that make you feel, you know, different about yourself. Like you don't have to let it bring you down. And I just was like, loved how she said, I just decided I was not going to let that define me anymore. And I was going to snap out of it. And I'm not diminishing people who have like serious mental illness. I I definitely run into a lot of special people and I'm not saying everyone can do it, but I, I would say that it's really inspiring to hear some one person who did make that choice and it was successful for her. I feel like it could be hopeful for a lot of people. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was actually uh, the first podcast I ever did um, was with her. And we talked about it. We talked about, we talked about doing that for quite a while. Uh, and I was actually kind of nervous because I didn't know if that was going to get her into some serious trouble because not many people know about her story, you know, so I was very careful to make sure that she was absolutely ready. And another part that made me feel a little bit better was knowing the the ending, the outcome of what you just said, where maybe she can inspire others that have trauma to uh, to deal with that trauma and uh, give people, you know, some hope that, you know. Yeah, because, you know, part of that is that we're being subject to trauma that isn't even our own. Yeah. So we did not have that trauma, but but I know kids who are, and, and there's been all sorts of very widely advertised school shootings that make kids afraid all the time. They yeah. feel like school is an unsafe place. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, we're being exposed to this trauma for, I think, a variety of reasons. I mean, in order to get people on into the mental health system, in order to make them yeah, vulnerable to suggestion, um, many things. So what do you think are the most, what do you think may be some of the goals of this, of this particular, you know, of Columbine and whatever it really was? What, what do you think, even, even if it was exactly what it, what it is, what policy agendas exploited it? Well, I think, uh, a lot of people, <clears throat> a lot of people in the militia community, I, or, you know, right, far right people back in the late nineties, like right after it happened, they wanted to say it was like a gun control, a second amendment type thing. And granted, I think that was a part of it. Always a part of it. But I think it was by far not the, uh, the main mission with that event. I think it was, uh, basically a trauma based mind control, uh, event like nine 11 would be about a year and a half later. And I've also heard like nine 11, that it could have been a, one of these blood sacrifices. I, I, I don't really know too much about the occult angle of these events, but I find them fascinating. And I do think, uh, blood rituals or whatever you want to call them, blood sacrifices do happen and, and are a component of these things. Um, I think it was to spread fear, you know, uh, far and wide. It was to clamp down with, uh, with more censorship. It was to make outcasted kids even more lonesome and possibly even a way of creating future, uh, patsies for future ops kind of like we were just talking about how the copycat effect you know maybe even uh patsies for lack of a better term maybe just fusion as sick as this sounds and these people whoever these people are are sick individuals um maybe it was to uh maybe it was to just create future shooters in general you know um some people think that a lot of these events are videotaped and, you know, there were reports that there were cameras in the library um, that they retracted days later, the police. There was a camera. There was something in, where was I reading that? Like a bunch of tapes were Missing. erased because they didn't want, that they were destroyed because they didn't want. Yeah. They didn't want people to see the people getting killed and everything. But I think uh, also, I don't know what your take is on this, Monica, but snuff films are a real thing. And they've been in the, yes. the black market yes. underground. And now with the, the yes, age of the internet, with the dark web, they are very real things. And it is an industry among people that have the bucks, you know, or the elites, whatever you want to call them, you know. Okay, so a few things that you said reminded me, you know, I wanted to pull the thread there. Not only, like, might it be a black mass or a blood sacrifice, is what you said, but that in itself, with the filming and, you know, the stuff, that is quite a demonstration of power. Yeah. So one thing I've read about, like, the the perverse elite or whatever they call it, the, um, you know, uh, there's a name for it of the, of the power elite that has, a, you know, perversions or... Um, Sick. The child molestation folks. Yeah, no there's a the name for it, parents. though, of the yeah. the power deviant or something like that. And Yeah, I think I know what you're um, talking about. I think Dave McGowan wrote about that with uh, the 
pedophocracy. That's serial killer. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but what I'm thinking with that power deviation thing is that they, when you reach a certain point of power, that that's why, like, I, I saw a woman, and I absolutely believe her account, and it, she was the child of somebody who was, you know, in the, in the club. So, what to what you were saying earlier, that was involved in human hunting parties of children, and this was in Europe. Yeah. And um, it, I don't know if she explained it as a whole network thing, but because they are totally above the law, like it's very hard to get a thrill if you're a thrill seeking person. It's very hard to get a thrill if you really can't taboos be yeah, yeah. and and uh, this could be a way not necessarily this particular topic but to have those Human blood sacrifices in general. and you can and you can do it you can admit it and you can get away with it yeah and that's you know it, this could be in that realm of like hunting the power elite. And then the other thing is with the suppressing the subcultures of kids, there's also, and I think this really feeds into the mental illness also is um, when you chill self-expression and not be able to be yourself. And I think also having your phone with you all the time. I remember with the Lanza story, they had, um, I read a psychological profile of like how important it is to have like a inner space, like a bedroom of your own, like a private space for you to be yourself. And like, you can get kind of kooky if you don't have that, if you always have to be on that. That's why I don't like kids like sharing dorm rooms with strangers. Like, I think that's weird. (laughs) You know, like you have to be able to be yourself, Well, you know, at some time. You need your own fortress of solitude. Yeah, a little one, you know, a little one. And and that it would chill, to chill self-expression like that, I think is extremely damaging. And this other thing, as I was watching this latest Kiefer Sutherland TV foray, and it was like on an airplane or something, it's called Rabbit Hole. So, of course, I had to watch it, (laughs) even though, you know, what are you going to do? So, and there was one scene in it where they took, I don't know if you ever saw Person of Interest, but Person of Interest had like the machine, which I liked, even though it was totally predictive programming, and they used the guy who played Jesus. I'm like, uh, whatever. Yeah. 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 So, so that machine. (laughs) Yeah. So, they used this machine, and... So in the in Rabbit Hole, the show, they took the information from like the machine and they uh, <clears throat> used it to very quickly identify the perfect patsy for this job. Like they took yeah. psychological profiles, like anxiety, like been to this kind of meeting, been to this kind of psychiatrist, went to this school, had this kind of this breakdown. military recruiter they usually meet Is with. on this drug and and just set that person up, would not be missed you know, when yeah. you, like, didn't have any confidants. And and it was really, really scary. It was Expulsed. really chilling that yeah. they can. And now I think they have the capacity to do that. And, they, and that's why I really don't like how I believe they foster mental illness because yeah. they're just creating, you know, a lot of uh, people who are vulnerable to suggestion. That's what the domestic, that what the um, Islamic terrorists, so many of them were, just people with mental illness who were identified and interviewed by the FBI. Like, that's a whole meme now. Like, oh, they saw the FBI, therefore they're going to, like, turn. Yeah. But that's how they identify the patsies. That's what I think, yeah. World Trade Center 93, it was kind of that story. And that said. these guys were in police custody in a program for anger management and stuff. And in, in my mind, I— Diversion I, program, yeah. I'd put money on that. 
that they that's when they were identified. Well, you want to know something else, too, that I didn't bring up earlier, but have you ever heard of a uh, very sick program, in my opinion, that apparently was in quite a few uh, high school curriculums back in the 80s called Death Education? What on earth would that be for? To get uh, children, or teenagers in this case, uh, acclimated to the idea of death. They would literally bring them to funeral parlors and have them like touch like a, a corpse, you know, like a <gasps> arm. And I, in the notes, in the email, there's a Barbara Walters 2020 special on death education wow. from 1990. And it, it was all about this, this curriculum that would make it so that people, you know, kids, teenagers, would not only get acclimated more with the idea, the concept of death and dying, but would actually have them write their own obituaries and real sick like literature about like um, what 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 it would mean to, for them to die. And the high school that gets presented in that 2020 special from 1990 is Columbine High School, and there was a girl that's featured in that 2020 special that attempted suicide multiple times after taking this death education. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's just, yeah. who, so who thought that the, was a good idea? Would the boys have been being told? Yeah, exposed to that? Yeah. So that, Man, this rabbit hole is it's like a not, rabbit hole. There was a ugly. book written too, Monica. Oh, yeah. There what? Was a, no, there was a book. I don't know if you remember with the Oklahoma City bombing, right? Frank Keating was the governor of Oklahoma. Oh, I have that book. His brother, his wrote, brother wrote, wrote a book like yes. about that being an Islamic terrorist thing, but it was Tom before McVay. it happened. Yeah, Tom McVeigh yeah, was I've the name it. of the guy. Well, here's there was a similar book written about Columbine called The Final Class, I believe. I, I could be wrong on the title, but the the book took place at Columbine High School in Littleton, Colorado, and it came out in like 1991, 1990, around the time that that Death Education 2020 special came out. So talk about foreshadowing and synchronicity and all that type of thing. So there's a lot there with Columbine, not just 9-11, but with Columbine too. Just wow. a little sound back there. <laughs> I'm sorry, yeah. but yeah, there's a lot there. So yeah, I, I do. I I do. I have a book called The Franklin Cover Up, yes. written by a lawyer who also. John DeCamp. Yes, he wrote something. I think he had some did some research into Columbine. I don't know if he, he wrote did. a book about it. Yeah, he. But his he had some his research theory. into it. Yeah, about the uh, about the uh, the SSRI aspect of it after the film, oh yes, I think. and he also thought. See, I actually. And Ted Gunderson was a part of that too. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I, you know, the SSRI thing. I, I just, I don't know what to think about that because I think it plays well, a part with Patsy's. I know. have witnessed bad things happen from it, but I, I do think they help people they can. sometimes too. Yeah. So exactly, I don't really like to throw it under the bus. And um, but that the guy who wrote Franklin cover up to camp, yeah. he, I think, suspected that the boys were abused by some of the cops when they were there was a in that there thing. Was what a, do you think about that? There was a sex for meth scandal going on in uh, in Denver, I believe, around that time. And one of the uh, one of the officers involved in Columbine was arrested for it and for having sex with uh, underage minors. 
in exchange for meth. The idea that I don't Man, really, do, I don't, I would, I would have sex to not have to do meth. Yeah, yeah I know. Exactly. Jeez, Louise. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you choose. <laughs> I'll take the sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not the meth. Uh, Sorry, not to laugh, but I just, I, no, I hate that stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, well, yeah exactly. Um, any of that, any stimulants? I don't even. You know, yeah, Starbucks. I don't even like Starbucks. <laughs> yeah, no. Well, yeah, caffeine, caffeine, and nicotine were my my big thing downfall. Oh my gosh! Like you, I would when I quit. Well, I, I drink a little bit, but when I cut back on coffee and when yeah. I quit smoking, my alcohol consumption dropped by like eighty percent. They go hand in hand. No. Yeah, just eighty. I actually think alcohol problems start with your first cup of coffee. But <laughs> anyway, I'm just saying, like stimulants, not my thing. But okay, so they they got these kids hooked on it probably, and then yeah, I personally yeah. don't buy into. That theory. You don't like that? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I know, but just by all the, the other research I was doing uh, in this case, because it kind of makes it, it turns the, the, basically, the theory was that Harris and Klebold possibly were raped by these cops mm -hmm. after they were arrested uh, trashing this van. And that's why they had to go to uh, anger management and they got into mm -hmm. the court system, the diversionary program and all that stuff. The idea is that, uh, Harris was so enraged that uh, by being raped that that was the reason for Columbine, you know, in general. Yeah, if that, that was doesn't the case, seem. Wouldn't they have been killing? Yeah. Wouldn't they have been yeah, shooting more out the window and, at the cops and waiting for the cops and to come in? Harris seems like he was absolutely unmanageable yeah. before. I mean, I would think he'd be like a difficult rape victim, but I do yeah. think it's more plausible that he would be uh, a patsy. But, you know, that's purely speculative. I just wondered what you were, what well, you thought of DeCamp's theory. Well, that was and, the other reason why I kind of uh, put that in check, that theory in check, is because that doesn't explain the guy that Jen saw and other people saw, Mr. Spiky here. He was some kind of handler. Mm -hmm. And yes, if that's the case, yes. was he giving these boys uh, training that was rumored to be going on? Yeah. Like with the Trenchco Mafia, with these live-action yeah. role-playing LARPs, you know, going on at the time? So, so, yeah. Yeah. I would say I am, you know, I'm convinced, or I am leaning towards understanding this as an operation similar to many other yeah. operations that I've spent a lot more time in, yeah. where... There were likely more shooters than just those two because of where the bodies were, how much damage was done, the caliber well, of these guys. Well, this is the other thing, not to cut you off. I, I apologize. Yeah, no, go. The other thing is in the photographs, which were uh, leaked to the National Enquirer at one point, um, the rifle that Harris supposedly killed himself with is underneath his leg. And they claim that he used his um, right hand to commit suicide when he was left-handed left-handed so oh yeah that put the bodies into place i think kind of messed up yeah not knowing someone is left-handed is definitely <laughs> yeah. can yeah. screw up a, a, a fake crime scene and how would he uh, shoot himself wow. yeah in the left temple with his right hand right. and the, the the guns lodged underneath his leg to begin with so so obviously fuckery a lot of you know, rather from beginning yeah. to end. But for yeah. me, when you have eyewitnesses adding other people, like many eyewitnesses having the same story yeah. and having people pressured. So I I say, like, when you listen to Jen, my truth dar is pretty 
you know, heightened and very rarely am I like, okay, I actually believe this person. Like there's no doubt in my mind. I'm not saying I know. I'm just saying there's no doubt in my mind. Like her, she, from beginning to end, like any solid. Yeah, absolutely solid. And the fact that, so when she said that they told her to suppress her story, I believe that. And the fact that there are other people who didn't change their story, that, that kind of stuff. I mean, to me, that's convincing that, you know, some of the details and also just definitely that the official narrative was not true. And the fact that the cops don't go in and don't, that, that it just goes on for so long, it's very hard for me to believe well, that. There was, very hard. there was shooting going on uh, till 3.45 in the afternoon uh, when they supposedly, the official narrative was that Harrison Klebold committed suicide in the library at about 12, 12.05, between 12.05 and 12. No way. Yeah, 12.05 and 12.08. And people, including on the news at the time, the news crews were saying that shots were still being heard, fired in the school all the way up to 345. And, and the kids weren't released from the school until right. after 3 o'clock. Exactly. Oh, wow. That's yeah. super fishy. And I will also say, did they, I thought I heard this, did they black out the windows in the cafeteria? Uh, not that I were know. Were there like curtains? Okay, because I would say kind of like the Vegas thing, I mean, they have snipers that, yeah. you know, they, oh, they can hear just, our conversation was, from a satellite. Like, was, I just, <laughs> there, was a, you know? there was a sniper on the roof of a house across the street that on the radio, he goes, I got, uh, I got one of the suspects in my, uh, you know, yeah, in my sights. line of fire. Sights. And he was yeah. told not to shoot Klebold. Yeah. And why is that? So, yeah. So there was a sniper, like, so to answer your question, there was someone that could have taken out Klebold, at least, in the library. Wow, so so if there's a book on the subject, would you, I have a lot of stuff for the show notes, but I like books. There's a a documentary, actually. Um, Oh, really? Do tell. Yeah, I mean, Brooks Brown, um, he wrote a book about his, uh, you know, his experience and everything. I don't really put much stock into that personally, but he did know the boys. He was warned away from the school. According to me just talking to Jen in general, I guess, Brooks actually found evidence that there were up to 20 people helping the boys. So I think Brooks is more on the line of there were a lot more shooters there. than. And he made a film? No, no, no. The film I, I was going to mention is called The Columbine yeah. Cause by Evan Long. And it's like the loose change of Columbine. Oh, right. And it's on YouTube, and it's excellent because he go Evan Long – he goes into the 11,000 pages and actually takes out the stuff that I was talking about and wow. shows it on the screen, the different witness nice. statements and uh, even goes into the blood sacrifice possibilities like the esoteric right. stuff. The Columbine Cause by Evan Long. It's on YouTube still. So check that out. So that, I'll put that in the yeah. show notes also, as well as that conversation that you and Jen had yeah. with uh, Don Jeffries. I, I originally had Jeffries. it on Get Mad with Chris Graves, but those shows are all now deleted and not, that was not my doing. So that was. Oh boy. Yeah, that's a well, whole other thing. But that interview was basically along the same lines as the I protest. Uh, Yes, I understand. Yes. So, all right. And you sent me an email with a lot of stuff. Anything else you think of, I'll put it on the show notes. Um, Please tell people where you can find your stuff and where they can find your stuff. And also, if you'll give Angry Tiger a plug, I know he's got the Tiger's Den, but I I forget. Is it Tiger and Snake Financial Report? Well, he does the Tiger and Snake Financial uh, Report every Friday. Uh, He's going to start doing it at 8 p.m., I think. 
Um, right now, currently, as we speak, he had to leave to go do the Tiger's Den. He does an addiction special, um, recovery addiction thing, uh, usually once a month. So that's tonight, and it's going on right now. And that's on uh, the same platform that all my shows are on, Digging Chris Graves, uh, Don't Take Our Word For It with Peter Sikaj, Conspiring with Mr. Cooper, Mr. Tom Cooper. That's all on the New Prisoner uh, platforms, TNP. It's a... Uh, Losing my breath. What's here. the URL for that? Oh, that's just uh, on Rumble and Odyssey. Okay. And you don't have a website to land on or Linktree? Yeah. That oh, they I can find a, everything? Oh, I got a, a Linktree on uh, my my uh, Twitter, which is oh, at, great. at Seagraves Mass Guy. Um, at C G R A V E S M A S S G U Y. That's right. No punctuation. Okay, mm -hmm. great. I'll put that in there too. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's yeah. where your link tree is in the in your little bio there at the top. Okay. Yeah, it's link tree, but I think uh, my friend Six, who is a part of the the new prisoners, um, I think he created a liber Liberty Links thing because Linktree started kind of acting kind of weird with us. Oh, come on. Not Linktree, too. I know. It was it's only a matter of time. It was Whatever. only a matter of time. But so I got to, so it's Liberty Links, I think, now. But that okay. should be on my thing. And also, All I right. do a, a show um, with Tony Arterburn called Paratruther. So <laughs> excellent. You've got some <laughs> clever names. I love it. Well, I really appreciate your time and your research is fantastic. And I appreciate that you brought this to me. Anything you want to talk about anytime. Oh, I, I just, oh, I love, I love to pick your brain. It's fantastic. And I will thank angry for coming, even though he was right up against the wire there. And thank you all for listening. This is Monica Perez with Chris Graves and angry tiger. And we will talk to you next time.